1: bringing the light of Christ to start your day.
0: This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio.
2: Four minutes after the hour, it's Friday, October 29th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, coast to coast across America on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. On Fridays, we always remember the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Friday's also the traditional day dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus. Now I want to bring in my partner, Glenn Leverance. Glenn, what's
0: the big story? this morning. Well, big news going on right now at the Vatican. President Biden is meeting with Pope Francis, only the second time, of course, we've had a Catholic president. first time in over 50 years, one has visited with the Pope, and uh, that's going on uh, as we speak. Some of the things they're expected to talk about, issues ranging from climate change to income inequality, the pandemic and migration, and abortion Not expected to be brought up, at least from President Biden's side.
2: And uh, the media coverage uh, is going to be very limited, I understand.
0: Well, you know, mainstream press, uh, you know, not always willing and ready to, to jump on religious stories.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'll be very uh, interesting uh, what comes of this meeting. Uh, meanwhile, as we've been talking about uh, for the last few days uh, in Major League Baseball, the World Series is, is shifting uh, to Atlanta tonight for a game three between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. So far, uh, each team has had uh, decisive wins. Uh, it-, it should be interesting tonight for game three.
0: It certainly should be a home field advantage now for the Braves. We've been doing okay on the road through the playoffs as well. And uh, I tell you, if you're looking to scoot down there, John, and uh, grab a ticket... Uh, they're going for about a thousand dollars now <laughs> on the wow. uh, secondary market overnight. Actually, and, uh, that's the case uh, for the night as well as the next two games, possibly.
2: Thousand dollars is actually sounds like a bargain compared to other World Series I've heard of five, six thousand dollar tickets. So that's that's a pretty good deal. One interesting uh, fact, um, Glenn: did you, did you know that uh, there's no Ma- uh, World Series patch on the uniforms of the players this year because of uh, all the uh, problems with uh, supply issues that have been going on across our country so none of the players have their traditional patch on the uniform although they do have them on their cap so tonight when you watch uh, you'll notice no patch
0: huh Well, I hope they can still play okay, (laughs) but it's interesting how how far-reaching those supply chain issues go, my goodness, all the way to the World Series.
2: Absolutely, and it should be a very exciting atmosphere uh, in Atlanta because this is the first time uh, there's been World Series baseball there since 1999, while the Astros have uh, been to the World Series three of the last five years, so we'll keep an eye on uh, how that develops. Thanks, Glenn.
0: Also interesting, too, I'll just say, you know, with the baseball moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta this summer, uh, and, and here they go, they got to come back because it's the World Series, can't move that.
2: Absolutely. That that That's absolutely part, part of the story. Thanks, Glenn. We uh, always right. begin uh, every hour giving thanks to our Lord uh, through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on this show when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from James 1.12. The Apostle St. James writes, Blessed is the man who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. As Catholic Christians, we need to understand the redemptive value of trials and suffering. Going back from my sports reporting days, I remember the great Notre Dame head football coach, Lou Holtz, who once said, I've never known anybody to achieve anything without overcoming adversity. In fact, every athlete has overcome many obstacles, and every saint has overcome many trials and tribulations. In fact, we're all called to be saints, to try to grow in holiness. The Lord gives us many different trials to test our faith. He will always give us the greatest to bear our sufferings, all we have to do is ask him. And we pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Now, this week, the Illinois legislature passed a radical pro-abortion bill to repeal the state parental notification law for abortions. It's a 1995 law that required a parent to be notified at least 48 hours before their underage daughter had an abortion. This ignored massive opposition uh, from human trafficking trafficking survivors, from parents, uh, from people in the state of Illinois. The Illinois House passed this uh, repeal bill uh, 6251 vote uh, late Wednesday night, and that followed a state Senate vote earlier in this week. Uh, to put it in perspective, currently 37 states require parental involvement or notification of some type before a minor can have an abortion. And a 2011 Gallup poll found that 71% of Americans favor laws requiring parental involvement in a minor's abortion decision. Joining us with with much more perspective on the Illinois. Notification Law is our regular contributor, Mary Helen Fiorito, who actually testified on behalf of parents against this radical bill. Mary's an attorney, public speaker, and commentator on issues involving Catholic Church teachings, administration, and religious freedom. She holds the position of the Cardinal Francis George Fellow at both the Ethics and Public Policy Center and the Nicola Center for Ethics and Culture at the University of Notre Dame. Good morning, Mary. It's uh, so good to be with you once again and how timely it is for us to talk about this controversial legislation.
3: Well, thank you so much, John. And I have to say I'm very grateful to you and your producers for giving me this opportunity. I know it sounds like it's a very sort of local story uh, that Illinois is going to, starting June 1st, um, allow minors to have abortions at any time in pregnancy for any reason without telling parents. But because we border so many states, including Indiana, Missouri, Wisconsin, Iowa, Kentucky, um Michigan. This is going to impact the entire Midwest because every one of those bordering states has some kind of parental involvement law. So this while it's starting in Illinois, it's it's going to spread very very quickly to the rest of the Midwest and then possibly to other parts of the country as you mentioned 37 states. In the United States have some kind of parental involvement if a minor is going to have an abortion, so it 's going to have a tremendous impact and i'm i'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk about it a little bit more in depth
2: absolutely. We are very much in favor of uh, uh, always uh, speaking out when it comes uh, to the issue of life uh, it's it 's so important the, the bishops call it the preeminent issue uh, of our time, and I think that uh, we need to be able to be on top and know what 's going on and not just in uh, one state, but in situations that can affect potentially our, our entire country, can you give us sort of an overview of how this whole uh, parental notification case uh, developed and, and exactly how what happened and I know you also testified in it?
3: Yes, well, it actually started uh, last year in the Illinois General Assembly last year when there was a just a straight up bill to repeal parental notice. Um, You know, that was very straightforward in how it was worded. This bill will, you know, repeal the Parental Notice of Abortion Act. I first, this was one of the very first things I did as a young pro-life lawyer just out of law school. The law actually passed back in 1995, but, you know, abortion advocacy groups, uh, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU are, have tons of money in the state of Illinois. They're very, very influential because of that money that they have. And they were able to get the law enjoined until 2013. So the law's actual, actually, although it was passed in 1995, it didn't go into effect until 2013. What took so Illinois- long?
2: That, I mean, that sounds incredible.
3: Yes, but that's Illinois. But listen to what they did. It gets worse. So this does not have public support overturning parental notice it has uh, the, the, the parental notice law here has tremendous public support including among parents who define themselves as pro-choice fifty-five percent of people who say they are pro-life parents and voters in the state of illinois said keep parental notice intact I mean, I I just, you know, took my daughter to get her ears pierced. I had to sign forms in triplicate. I had to stand there while she was getting the ears pierced. She was 16. I mean, you can't get a COVID vaccine. You can't get ears pierced. You can't get a tattoo. You can't go to a tanning bed. You can't be given an aspirin in school. Yet now in Illinois, you will be able to have a surgical or chemical abortion, and no one needs to tell a parent or guardian. I'm not talking about consent. I'm talking about notice, just telling them and now that's been eliminated when they couldn't pass it in the regular session because they couldn't win on the merits this is what the other side often does they took a probate bill and they gutted that probate bill and at the very end of it they were pretending to amend a probate bill they stuck a sentence at the end that said uh... you know the, the this bill will also passage of this bill will also repeal with the number of the parental notice bill so they snuck it in at the end of a probate bill didn't name it, brought it to the Senate. The Senate rammed it through, unfortunately, with the support of a a number of different elected officials who claimed to be Catholic. Uh, Then they took it over to the Illinois House. Uh, I had to testify in front of the House Executive Committee, as you mentioned. The other side was given ample notice of when those hearings were going to take place. I was given an hour's notice. So they had five people testifying in favor of the bill, including... Uh, an abortionist from a a rather notorious clinic in Illinois called the Hope Clinic, the ironically named Hope Clinic in Granite City, Illinois, that sort of specializes in late-term abortions. So she was testifying, someone from the ACLU, they had a judge who... Gives judicial bypass to minors who don't are too afraid to tell their parents that they're pregnant. So they had all of their witnesses line up, and they were all scripted. In fact, when the chair of the committee called on, um, I can't remember who he called on first, but she said, "Oh no, I'm supposed to go third. So they had they were all scripted, probably by the abortion groups. So I thank goodness I had had some stuff, knowing I was probably going to testify prepared in advance. But I really had to speak not only for myself as the mother of two teenage daughters and as a lawyer, but I also had to. Speak for the two OBGYNs who were going to testify for us, for a sex trafficking expert who was going to testify for us, for a um, a, a, a licensed clinical uh, psychologist who was going to testify about uh, teenage brain development and how teenage brains um, don't really fully develop until they're 25. Therefore, they are not very good at making decisions that take into account long-term consequences for actions. That's why anybody who has a teenage driver knows this. This is why your your insurance rates double when you get a teenage driver. Uh, that's right around the corner for you, John. Um, so it was just me. You know, I did my best, but it went straight along party lines. Again, you know, the abortion lobby here, very, very... Uh, powerful, tons of money. They can just go into any candidate and say, listen, you vote the way we want. You get $300,000 for your next, you know, uh, primary. Um, and the pro-life movement just can't compete here with that kind of money. And so uh, they they called the bill very quickly um, at 1130 at night, on a weeknight, and it, and it passed. Um, now, fortunately, we had some members of the General Assembly who spoke very passionately. Um, one in particular, Christopher Buss, who used to work for an anti-sex trafficking organization. Um, He spent years doing advocacy and working against this incredible evil, which is the second fastest growing crime in the country next to drug trafficking. And he talked about how everyone who works in the sex trafficking world knows that when you take a parental notice bill off a state's books, that that is an invitation to predators and to sexual Deviants who are trafficking young girls to bring them across state lines for abortions because no one will need to know. And in fact, last year we had a, a beautiful woman, I think Drew Mariani may have had her. On his show as well, named Brooke Bellow. she's received a National Lifetime Achievement Award from President Obama for her work um, trying to combat sex trafficking. She was trafficked, John. I'm going to try to say this with, without starting to cry. She was trafficked from the time she was 11 until the time she was 16. Oh, my goodness. She was taken four different times to abortion clinics. I'm going to start crying now. Wow. During her testimony, she said, if one of those places had had to call my mom, my mom would have known where I was. And you know and and no one had to, so she continued. they gave her an abortion, she went on with traffic again, she got pregnant again, they gave her another abortion. You know, this is not hyperbole, John, this is fact. this is what's going to happen, and it's it's outrageous and and unless people in the state of Illinois, and I know we have many listeners from Illinois, unless you stand up and you say, "Okay, no more, we are voting. you voted for this bill. We vote you out. We will do. We will canvass our neighborhoods, we will tell our neighbors." You know, nobody can sit this one out, and I know it's hard, and I you know I you know you put something on Facebook or you put something on Twitter, and it's taking a stand and and people are afraid of being cancelled they're afraid of you know being having retribution at school or at work. but this is at the end of the day, this really isn't about abortion. Had this bill stayed you know intact, had the law stayed intact, abortion would be just as legal the next day as it was the day before. All this does is to require a parent to be notified if a minor daughter is going to have an abortion performed on them. That's all. It, it, the, the parent can say, no, the parent can say, I don't want that. And the abortion clinic can say, too bad, so sad. I'm doing it anyway. It, it wasn't permission. It was just notification. And this is, it's such a reckless act. This just shows it's you how much control the yeah. abortion. And just, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm going on and on here, yeah. but I'm, I'm very passionate about this, as you can tell. But um, it, it really is, uh, this, this has to be a wake-up call. For people, and those of you who live in other states, if you have parental notice or consent laws um, and you, you suspect that you know a minor girl who may be traveling here, you, you need to intervene. You need to go to that girl and say, listen, can I help you? Can I help you tell your parents? Can I get you the help you need? Or if she's being coerced by a boyfriend, it's not illegal for, say, a 16-year-old to drive a 14-year-old across state lines into Illinois to get an abortion that her parents will never know about.
2: Mary, uh, this is why we're giving you a voice and a platform here to, to tell uh, the nation basically what's going on in Illinois and something that can spread uh, to many other parts of the Midwest and, uh, and across our country. It just seems so irrational, so illogical, that if 37 other states require parental uh, involvement or notification, and the vast majority, 71 percent of Americans, uh, think that this is important for parents to know what their children are doing, how in God's green earth uh, can Illinois uh, do this?
3: Well, because, again, you know, we used to talk about bigot tobacco. The money right now in politics, a lot of it is big abortion. Uh, in the le- Since 2018, so in like the last four years, Planned Parenthood, which is the nation's largest provider of abortions, has built three new clinics along the Illinois border in Fairview Heights, which is on the illinois border with missouri on the illinois side about 15 minutes they did that in 2019 in 2018 they built a clinic about 15 minutes from the indiana border in a town called Slosmore. and then just last year at the height of the pandemic the governor allowed planned parenthood to open up a new abortion clinic in waukegan which is about 10-15 minutes from the wisconsin border so in the last four years three clinics all within 15 minutes of the border. Please don't tell me that's not that's a coincidence. It's absolutely not. This was all planned. Again, big abortion means big money, which means, you know, big donations into the coffers of these po- politicians. And I was told directly by somebody who was approached by one of these pro-abortion PACs, if you do this, we'll put $300,000 into your campaign. That's a lot of money for a state rep or a state senator. You can win an election with that kind of money. This is about money at the end of the day. And it is it is just, you know, atrocious that the, that the voters of Illinois you know, are, are subject to this already. We have such high crime rates. We have failing schools. You know, we lost a congressional seat in Illinois this year because there are so many people fleeing the state. But those of us who have to remain here for work or for family, we have to rise up, and we have to say no more. This is insanity. No one should be able to do surgery on your child without telling you. It, 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 and these, this is a surgery that had risks. We had a lovely, beautiful African-American woman, named Tanya Reeves, who went in for a second trimester abortion at uh, Chicago's downtown Planned Parenthood. I remember that case, Mary. Do you remember, remember the case? Absolutely. They perforated her uterus, they waited seven hours to call 911, and she hemorrhaged to death. Now imagine if you are the mom of a 16-year-old and you get a call to say, oh gosh, we're sorry, uh, uh, we, we, we didn't have to tell you that your daughter was here getting the abortion, but now we've got to tell you that she's dead. Um because we we perforated her uterus or something else happened along the way, we perforated her bowel or something else happened um, you know it, it's it is it is a surgery that comes with risks physically but also psychologically and emotionally, and I know you've had all sorts of guests on the show john that that have talked about the emotional aftermath of abortion, the spiritual aftermath. You know, I the I, the way I got involved in the pro life movement is back when I was sixteen. There was a girl from my neighborhood I knew, and we were we weren't best friends, but we were kind of friends. And her family wasn't super religious or practicing Catholic, but you know we went every Sunday, and she knew that. And um, she she attempted uh, suicide when she was sixteen, and um, asked me to talk one day. And we were talking, and she told me that she had had an abortion the year before, and she had written out this poem called "I Killed My Babies." And um, I was really good friends with the priest in our parish who ran our, our youth group, so I arranged for her to talk to him, and she was able to go to confession. But it was her attempting suicide because of that abortion. Um, and she wasn't forced into it. You know, she, was, she dated the same guy, I think. I think she wound up marrying him, actually. But, um, but she was so scared to tell her parents, right? And in Illinois, she could do it at that time because we didn't have parental notice. Uh, she could do it without telling her parents. And, you know, that's what kind of got me. I mean, I was always pro-life, but that's really what spurred me into activism was this case of of this girl I knew from my neighborhood. So I, you know, um, I, I I can't overstate the impact that this is going to have on young girls when they have abortions without their parents knowing. And, you know, even if the parents disagree and the abortion goes forward anyway, they know to monitor her. For complications, they know to monitor her for depression or suicidal ideation. You know, um, I think you and I have a, a mutual friend, Dr. Robert Lawler, who uh, is an OBGYN in the Chicago area. And uh, he spoke, I think he was on Sheila Lagminis' show at one point. He talked about this instance he had, uh, he was on call in the emergency room at his hospital, um, came in, he had a septic 15 year old girl on the table. Um, she had had an abortion a couple of days earlier they had left parts of the baby's body inside of her so she developed sepsis he called the abortion clinic three different times they had completely abandoned her, and patient abandonment is a very, it's a very serious thing in medicine. Would not call him back, and so he had to kind of operate blindly, not really knowing the details. Um, and and he, he, he told me, like, when he was, you know, in order to, to complete the abortion, John, he had to put a pan down next to him, and they had to take each piece out and then count the pieces to make sure. I'm, I'm sorry, this is very gruesome, and I know this is breakfast time for a lot of people, that's the ugly reality of this. And he said he looked up and he said the nurse was crying. He said then, then, he, then the anesthesiologist started to cry. He said it was all I could do to maintain my composure as we did this. But that was a septic 15-year-old on his table. And, he's, and this was during the time of parental notification because the mom knew she'd had an abortion. So when she, her, she started to spike 103 fever, the mom said something's wrong and took her to the emergency room and said, yes, she had an abortion two days ago. That's the kind of complication that can happen and that's the kind of tragedy i mean you know twenty four forty eight hours later that young woman could have been dead and you know kids can spike fevers for anything i mean if my kid started spiking a hundred and three fever i might not necessarily rush her to the emergency room but because this mom knew she took her
2: Mary, uh, I really appreciate uh, your, your passion for this issue, uh, your testimony on behalf of uh, so many parents. Uh, it's so nonsensical, uh, but it is a reality. We have to deal with it here in the state of Illinois, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to uh, see this as a call to action. Uh, we need to speak up. We can cancel the politicians that passed uh, this notification uh, law here in Illinois. Uh, Mary, thanks so much uh, uh, for giving us uh, your perspective.
3: Well, I thank you again for giving me the opportunity and I hope all of your readers or your readers or listeners have a very beautiful weekend and a happy Halloween with your families.
2: Thank you, Mary. I appreciate it very much. Mary Helen Fiorito, you can find her on Twitter at Mary Fiorito. We need to take a break when Morning Air continues. Former Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year turned pro-life advocate Myra Rodriguez will join us to discuss the exploitation of Hispanic women by Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood continues to be exposed. Stay with us. There's so much more to come here as Morning Air continues. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester.
0: Bringing the light of Christ to start your day with the issues that matter most. This is Morning Air with John Morales. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
2: 32 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverence. Thanks so much for joining us our number if you want to be part of the show 888-914-9149 that's 888-914-9149 now as you know we are winding down here in the month of October with respect to life month as we have been praying the rosary for life throughout this month to end legal abortion in our nation we've seen over the last number of years that the tide is turning in the US despite uh, all of of, uh, the uh, battles that have been going on, uh, the battles uh, with Planned Parenthood, uh, the numbers of abortions. We believe that life is still winning in America and the pro-abortion forces can feel it. Abortion giant Planned Parenthood is absolutely being exposed. Uh, they are now proudly admitting that their primary mission is abortion. Now uh, joining us is Myra Rodriguez, uh, the former director of three Planned Parenthood clinics in Arizona. she She received the Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year Award and has now become a Hispanic pro-life leader. In 2019, Myra won a whistleblower lawsuit against the abortion giant and a jury verdict of $3 million as a pro-life advocate. Myra's mission is to make abortion unthinkable. Good morning, Myra. Welcome back to Morning Air. Great to be with you once again here in this month, this Respect Life Month
1: good morning, John. How
2: are you today? Oh, doing well. Uh, counting my blessings. Uh, always uh, good to talk to you. Uh, you know, some of our listeners uh, may not be familiar uh, with your uh, captivating story uh, of how uh, you worked all those years at, at Planned Parenthood uh, as, a, as a director, and um, and then ultimately uh, now you are a pro-life champion, a pro-life leader, really trying to make a, a difference and making uh, abortion unthinkable. Can you give us a, a a little brief a summary of your experiences uh, with Planned Parenthood during those 17 years and uh, how it ended up uh, with that lawsuit.
1: Yes, I will try to be as, as brief as possible. So I worked for Planned Parenthood for seventy years. I know every time I say it sounds like such a long time, right? But it was. You know, most of the years i worked in clinics that had nothing to do with abortion, and I truly thought that I was helping women, you know? And you really don't see the truth behind abortion until you are hands-on. You know, when I became the director of the biggest abortion clinic in the state of Arizona at the end of 2016, and that was after getting the Employee of the Year award in 2016, right? Uh, and then I started seeing what people outside were talking about, you know, the amount of money, you know, to begin with. You know, I started seeing that it's not only 3%. I mean, depositing over $20,000 daily from one clinic, it's not 3%, right? Uh, I started seeing how the abortionist didn't care for women. You know, I thought he was there because he cared for women. I know most people right now will be like, why would you think that abortion is caring for women? That's what they make you believe. That's what you strongly believe when you're working there. You know, that those women will be better. But then I saw the damage that abortion does to them. You know, I saw that, daily perforations go unreported the complications go under the rug the abortionist is not caring and falsifying patient information you know falsifying the patient charts. what happened in the room is not what he will document in the charge you know i saw the statutory rapes go unreported. you know i'm saw him breaking the law rules and regulations that are in place by the state to protect women you know and then when i started saying my complaints and i start uh you know kind of calling out on the abortionist, and I started telling my supervisor what was going wrong. Well, what I was welcome with was, Myra, um, just do your job. Myra, just do your job. Myra, just do your job. Eventually, they got me fired. When I say, eventually, like within two, three weeks of complaining of him, I got fired. I knew what it was for. I knew that they wanted to protect the abortionist. They wanted to silence me. So I started a lawsuit against Planned Parenthood for wrongful termination under the Whistleblower Protection Act. And that's how we got to court.
2: And uh, eventually you ended up winning um, that lawsuit and uh, you won $3 million. Uh, Did you ever in your wildest dreams when you first started working for Planned Parenthood uh, thinking that you were helping women uh, think that it was going to end that way and that eventually one day you would actually become a pro-life leader?
1: No, not, not at all. I mean, John, when you're inside, you know, and you see the people praying outside, you're like, why are you doing that? You know, I made a blog on my website that's called The Crazes," because I was like, you know, I mean, Chicago, Illinois, you guys get to extreme temperatures, not only in the summer, but on the winter, right? And you see people praying outside. Here in Arizona, you get to 118 degrees and people are praying outside. I'm like, it must be crazy, right? because why Why would they be there you know i remember i had a podcast with sean Carney and sit at 40 days for life and i said for years i thought you were paying them <laughs> you know to be there praying because you're like who would do that right but then i kept seeing them standing outside and just praying and trying to get people to change their mind and helping them right once you get out and learn that no one's paying them do they actually do that to help women You know, then you're like, oh, this is what it's all about to know. And my wildest dream, I'm not never be that crazy. You know, like, why would I be that crazy standing outside trying to help someone that doesn't want to be helped? Because that's what you think inside, you know, like, I mean, these women, that's what they need, right? They need the abortion, right? Then you realize, no, abortion is hurting them. Abortion is destroying them. And we're not helping them with abortion. You know, the opposite. We're harming them, you know, because these women are destroyed for the rest of your life emotionally psychologically, and sometimes physically, you know, even if they come out walking, some of them may never be able to become mothers again. Some of them have their, like I said, the perforations that I saw unreported, you know, some of them never heal.
2: myra you've changed quite a bit since your days working at Planned Parenthood. Now that you're a pro-life advocate, a pro-life leader, and you're trying to make abortion unthinkable, you've also come back to the, your Catholic faith. Talk about this dramatic transformation from a staunch pro choice person to a pro-life advocate.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I was born and raised in Mexico City, so... I- I'm Catholic, born and raised Catholic, right? And and I always say Guadalupana from the heart. You know, lady of Guadalupe is your patron at home. My mother's names Guadalupe. But for all the years that I was with Planned Parenthood, I was far away from the church. You know, my justification, my excuse was, Mom, if I go to church, people, the Father will ask people to pray outside the clinic. I don't want them to see me. I, why would you want me to go to a place where they ask you people to go pray outside my clinic? You know, of course, I was ashamed, right, that they will see me inside the clinic and they will see me in church. So then I stopped going to church, you know. And, and then once, uh, I mean, my story with Catholic faith, going back to church, you have no idea, John. I been mean, another time we probably will go over how a praise came into my life many years ago and I was not listening, you know, and, and then uh, the lady praying outside, you know, that as soon as she found out that I was fired, I mean, John, who does that, right? The lady praying outside finds out that I'm fired because she doesn't see me anymore, and she gets worried about me. I mean, who does that? Who worries about the director of the abortion clinic? This lady, John. And then she'd reach out to me and say, can we help you heal emotionally and spiritually? And she takes me to this prison. Like I said, he had been in my life for many years, and I just didn't see it, you know? And then... I start coming back to the church, you know, and I start healing. And I can tell you, now I can call myself a truly Catholic, you know, like I participate with my church. I'm, you know, I'm I'm active Catholic, you know, and before I was being a lazy Catholic, only going to church on holidays, and God has done so good to me, John. I mean, I was in Mexico City speaking in front of 600,000 people just on October 3rd, you know, and, I remember when I landed in Mexico City on October 2nd, the very first thing I did was go straight to the Basilica for mass, you know, to thank her. Yeah. To thanks thank our to lady of Guadalupe. Yes, but thanks to her, I was back there in my hometown, in my city, you know, ready to rally with my uh, Mexican people Mexico City against abortion you know I mean I tell
2: you yeah that had to be just an amazing experience uh, uh, Myra and we're joined by Myra Rodriguez uh, former director of three Planned Parenthood clinics uh, in Arizona and the former uh, Planned Parenthood employee of the year who has turned into a pro-life champion and a pro-life leader uh, Myra you you arrive in Mexico City and you get the opportunity to speak in front of uh, a reported uh, three hundred to six 600,000 people. They're not sure exactly how big the crowd was, but it was massive. What was that experience like? What was your main message uh, to the folks there in Mexico City, uh, the city of Our Lady of Guadalupe?
1: Well, first of all, I would like to share with you that on October 3rd, uh, it was my 4 year anniversary of walking out of Plum Parenthood. So can you imagine? I celebrated that 4 year anniversary marching wow. for life, marching for women. I mean, when I got up to that stage, I was told it was going to be a few thousands of people. And then it was a hundred of thousands of people, you know? So when I saw that massive amount of people that came out, I mean, they organized it within three weeks, you know, and they came out. And I had to tell them, you know, I remember starting my, my speech by telling them, I used to sell abortions because that's what it is. It's a business. You know, abortion it's money. Abortion is just a business. And we are selling abortions when we're in that industry. You are not helping women. I mean, this romantic way of calling reproductive rights to a business, you know, has to stop. And I remember, you know, just telling them, Uh, what i saw inside the abortion industry and why today i defend life you know because i saw women getting hurt i saw abortion hurting women but mainly i saw the sacrifice of the babies that do not deserve to be there you know it's the death penalty to the unborn they do not deserve that they deserve that their mother cares for them the mother protects them and that we keep fighting for them
2: you spoke in Spanish uh, to this massive crowd. Uh, how did they react? Uh, how did the media cover uh, your speech?
1: Well, you know, at the beginning when I said I used to sell abortions, I can tell you, I saw the, the faces dropping, you know, like uh, you have no idea. Every time I say that, I'm always waiting for someone to drop water bottle to me, you know. <laughs> But then as soon as I start telling them, I mean, you can see their face, their compassionate face, you know, their the, the merciful face, you know, and that's what that's what Christ does on people, you know. They make them, you know, feel compassionate and understand that we were wrong, you know, that once we were wrong and now we're on this right side of history, we're on the right side of, of the sidewalk, right, by standing outside and praying.
2: Well, Planned Parenthood uh, definitely is exploiting uh, women, uh, Mexican women uh, in in Mexico, but uh, they're also exploiting Hispanic women uh, here in this country. I'd like to talk about that, but we need to take a, a short break. In fact, if you have a question or comment uh, about uh, what it's like inside of Planned Parenthood, what their real mentality is, what their real goal is, uh, do they uh, really only make three percent of their abortions from uh, uh, make money for? Percent from abortions as they claim more. Is that just an absolute farce? If you have any kind of comment or question for Myra Rodriguez, former Planned Parenthood Director of the Year, give us a call 888 914 9149. That's 888 We need to take a break. We continue our conversation with uh, Myra Rodriguez. Stay with us. There's much more to
0: come on the other side. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
2: 47 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks uh, for joining us as... We continue uh, talking about uh, the reality of Planned Parenthood and their exploitation of w- Hispanic women, of Mexican women, with Myra Rodriguez, former director of three Planned Parenthood clinics in Arizona and the f- former recipient of the Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year Award, who has turned into a pro life leader. Myra, welcome back.
1: Thank you, John. Thank you so much again for having me this morning.
2: Well, Myra, let's talk a little bit about um, the situation on the ground in Mexico that you saw firsthand with that massive crowd, uh, 600,000 plus. Uh, What's going on in Mexico and their abortion laws and how how does that affect uh, Latina women in this country?
1: Well, you know, they pulled the Roe versus White Mexican, you know, the Supreme Court uh, despenalized abortion, which a lot of people argued, we are not legalizing abortion, you know, despenalizing and legalizing is basically the same thing, because now the doctor won't be charged for performing um, abortions, right. And and just to be clear, their excuse was that women should not be uh, charged uh, uh, legally for having an abortion, right? And just so you know, there hasn't been women there are put in jail for having an abortion in Mexico or in Latin American countries. And then most of those countries already had abortion legal in case of an incest or rape, or in case of, um, the mother, um, being in, in, you know, risking their life of their mother. So their excuse to despenalize abortion, not only, not only in Mexico, John, this, this attack has been all over Latin America. I mean, recently they were trying to do it on El Salvador, but thankfully, The president of El Salvador, you know, sat his grounds and said, no, abortion will not enter this country, you know, but they did it in Argentina last December. I mean, there's been an attack on Latin America. Planned Parenthood wants to expand their business. that's the reality, you know, why? You know, we're finally getting there. You know, I was listening to you earlier and finally we're getting there. We can see America finally going in the right direction, protecting life. We see a new generation of youth people coming out and saying, you know what? This is not okay. This is enough, you know? And what we're seeing is that um, more young people are joining the pro-life movement compared to before people are told that only it's like religious, uh, Christian or Catholic, white privileged people praying against abortion, right? And now they can see that there's a lot of people, you know, like the Students for Life, there's a lot of youth groups, you know, that not necessarily are religious. Some of them are atheists, you know, or they call themselves atheists. So this is not about, you know, they're realizing that the Pro-life movement, it's not that. So what's going on? They want expand their business, for example, Texas, right? You pass this bill, what will be the easiest way for partner attacking Texas? You know, we'll open a clinic at the border, right? And then people will go there. And that is the tactic. It's a business tactic, you know? Absolutely. Just like any other
2: Absolutely. And, uh, and Planned Parenthood uh, is trying to spread the, their, their philosophy all throughout Latin America. And they've already been doing it in a big time way right here in this country, especially in the major cities. Can you talk a little bit about how Planned Parenthood specifically goes after Hispanic women here in the U.S.?
1: Yes, of course. And, and even, you know, as, as being their friend, you know, they're playing their friend card by, by supporting immigration organizations, you know, that a lot of the pro immigrant organizations receive money from Planned Parenthood. You know, so this is why when a woman you know it's found on the border or it's undocumented and she's pregnant you know the shelter or the place that it's supposedly helping her the first thing they suggest for her is to go to Planned Parenthood so she could have an abortion you know because right now her situation is already complicated you know with her being here so why would she even be pregnant you know and this is how we heard how in in some of the um Detention centers, that were actually given extractivists, you know, along with abortions without their permission. You know, this is where all this comes from. You know, that's been going on since the 70s, John, in California, right? So this is not new. You know, that the states that are supposed to be um, immigrant um, sanctuary centers, you know, they're the ones that are more pro-abortion and that they have... A lot of clinics where all these immigrant communities are i mean i can tell you in california if you go down where the field is you know bakersfield Oxnard, they're very small areas but you will find abortion abortion clinics located right in the center of all these fields you know like really close enough distance to these women you know and, and this is how they're doing it you know this is spreading in our culture you know as hispanics we defend life we defend family you know as latinos you know, family is all for us, you know, and and that's exactly what they're doing. Attacking our culture and starting in our home country. So then that will spread the message that having an abortion is okay and actually it's better for that woman. But, you know, I've recently been working with some um, pro-life, pro-immigrant organizations, you know, especially like from California. And I have found out how many, you know, pro-immigrant organizations won't work with pro-life communities because, they are with Planned Parenthood, you know, there's actually going to be at a conference in Nevada, you know, for immigration and, and this conference, it, it will be funded by Planned Parenthood, you know, and the no pro-life um, organizations were allowed to set up boots or any information, even if they are pro-immigrant, you know, just because they stand with life.
2: Yeah, it's truly uh, un- unbelievable, uh, the reach of Planned Parenthood. Uh, My- Myra, in fact, uh, you've talked about uh, in the past uh, how Planned Parenthood seduces immigrants with the threat of being deported. Uh, they they really uh, t- take advantage of Hispanic women and other minorities uh, by doing that. And the fact is that so many of the Planned Parenthood clinics are in Latino neighborhoods and also African-American neighborhoods uh, in major cities in, in-, in Chicago and in Los Angeles and in- major uh, other uh, cities across our country.
1: Exactly, and, and yet I mean when the states are passing like tougher laws against undocumented people, you know, like here in the city of Arizona, it was SB ten seventy. You know, when they were telling people that if you showed up to a hospital, you could be deported. You know, Trumparian was quick to come to come out with some announcements, with some propaganda, you know, around the Latino community, saying that you're safe. You can come to Planned Parenthood, you're safe, you know. And then you get this immigrant woman, you know, and you kind of suggest, you know, if you are going to the hospital, you know, to deliver your baby, they may deport you. So maybe the best thing for you to do right now is have an abortion, right? Because we won't do anything to you, right? And they start putting that, that fear in women. And of course, these women are going to be, well, yeah, no, they're right. You know, if I have to deliver my baby in the hospital, they may send me home, right? And then again, you know, the you have these women going into shelters or other places where they think they're going to get help. And the first thing, when they say, Oh, you know, I think I'm pregnant. The first thing they're handing over, it's Planned Parenthood little flyer or, or Planned Parenthood locations. And then when they show up, well, I was sent here because I'm pregnant. Well, you know, what's your situation? And you start assessing what's their social situation what's their economic situation. And then you start telling them how right now through all her process, the best thing for her will not be to be pregnant, right? Because she's already undocumented, you know, and you know and you start telling them how you know they, they may want to send her back just because she's pregnant they don't want any more what they call anchor babies being born in this country right so can you imagine when you start selling women this you know and you start putting fear in them about becoming mothers in this country you know and how they could be even more rejected and that's what plant Parenthood does that's what abortion is not only plant Parenthood, but other abortion is too you know how they inject the fear in women And not only undocumented, you know, but also along the black community, you know, when you tell them, you know, they already talk about the black community having just babies and not, you know, having enough babies. And maybe as a woman, you should just uh, focus on going to school and just taking care of yourself and your other kids, you know what I mean?
2: Myra, we have less than two minutes to go. Just a final word of encouragement for our listeners, for women that are listening to your words, knowing that you've been there, you've seen the truth behind what Planned Parenthood is really all about. Why should we be optimistic that life is winning in America?
1: Well, for example, Texas, right, and other states are working on the same kind of bills uh, to pass on, you know, the state of Arizona, Florida, but also, you know, the the, almost their case um, being looked at in the Supreme Court, you know, uh, we will be in the rally on December um, 1st in Washington, D.C. So I invite everyone that can come and join that rally to show the support. You know, in the first case, I probably will turn row versus weight, you know, and that's what we're hopeful for. We know we're winning this time, John, that the life is actually winning. And that's something that in my 17 years in Planned I never thought it would happen.
2: Well, at the end of the day, it's not only uh, changing laws, overturning Roe v. Wade, but changing hearts and hopefully one day making abortion unthinkable. Uh, Myra, thank you so much for your courage, uh, for your passion for uh, defending life uh, and for sharing uh, your story with us
1: thank you john thank you so much for having me hope you have a great morning
2: thank you many blessings to you Myra rodriguez the former planned parenthood employee of the year and now a very strong pro-life leader now it's time uh, for another edition of glenn's story corner
0: as you think about how to carve that pumpkin for this weekend our story today the christian pumpkin poem I'm a jack-o'-lantern, my light will shine so bright for I am a Christian pumpkin. My symbols tell what's right. My nose is like the cross on which our Savior died to set us free from sin. We need no longer hide. My mouth is like a fish, the whole wide world to show that Christians live in this house and love their Savior so. The story starts at Christmas. My eyes are like the star that shone on baby Jesus and wise men saw from afar. My color, it is orange, just like the big bright sun that rose on Easter day along with God's own sun. And so on Halloween, let's set our pumpkins out and tell the trick-or-treaters what God's love is all about. Matthew 5:14 14-16, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Glenn, I absolutely
2: love uh, that scripture. that's part of the theme of our show, Shining the Light of Christ uh, to Start Your Morning. I want to remind you to honor our Blessed Mother, our Lady of the Rosary today, and pray the Rosary for life this month with Father Rocky. We only have a few days left. That doesn't mean you stop. We keep praying for life on the Family Rosary across America. All your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Also, I want to remind you that uh, you still have time uh, to um, sign up all your... uh departed loved ones uh, share all the names of all your loved ones uh, so that we can pray for them in the upcoming novena november 2nd through the 10th just go to relevantradiocom slash souls uh, we need your prayers and that'll do it for this edition of morning air for the entire team i'm john morales thanks so much for joining us let your light shine before all god love you we'll see you next time here on morning air the patrick madrid show is straight ahead